What up, everyone? This episode of the Swung Tire Podcast is brought to you by Butcher Box. You know what I'm looking forward to in 2021? Meat. Straight up meat. Just one word, meat. Because there's not a lot really to look forward to just yet, but I can look forward to meat from ButcherBox because ButcherBox is the meat delivery subscription that gives me more time for what matters most. Each month, they send me a box of the highest quality meat for a better price than the grocery store, which gives me more time to spend cooking and sharing delicious meals with my family and my friends. ButcherBox has meat that is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen, vacuum sealed so it stays that way, and I can customize my own box or go with one of their pre-made boxes. Either way, I get exactly what I want. It's a total no brainer. It's the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely, humanely raised meat. We get the highest quality meat for around $6 a meal, and they even have free shipping nationwide except Alaska and Hawaii. So right now, here's the deal. You get two pounds of salmon absolutely free with your first box. If you go to butcherbox.com slash tire, that's butcherbox.com slash tire, and you can get two pounds of salmon completely free with your first box at butcherbox.com slash tire tire. We're also brought to you by Fight Camp. Check this out. The gym sucks, right? The gym is boring. You're just lifting weights. You're doing cardio. What is it for? What if you could learn how to fight at the gym, right? There's nothing more exciting than learning how to fight. I've seen Steven Seagal movies too. That's why people are saying that Fight Camp is the only workout that they've stuck with. Fight Camp provides boxing and kickboxing workouts and tutorials that keep you engaged, learning, excited, and motivated. A program that's never boring and always challenging. Fight Camp brings the boxing gym to your living room with a tech twist. They provide all the gear, top trainers, and a new technology that tracks your punches, everything you need to get great workouts. The boxing workout has always been ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape, and it's honestly one of the most fun ways to combine cardio and strength training. Basically, Fight Camp brings the boxing and kickboxing gym to you with fight-hardened trainers that combine cardio and conditioning in a full-body workout. It's new tech that tracks each punch you throw to measure speed, volume, and output. And you can compete on a leaderboard with people all around the U.S. And now with their recently recently released Versus Mode, you can challenge anyone to a workout, go head-to-head, and see who wins, bringing out the competitive nature in everyone and it makes your workout so much harder without you even realizing it. Fight Camp is a great holiday gift the entire family can enjoy and get competitive on, and they allow you to pay over time with a firm financing. Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR and $0 down. And as a limited time offer, get free shipping and a gift valued up to $109 with every Fight Camp package. Go to Fight, go to, sorry, Go to joinfightcamp.com slash TST. That's joinfightcamp.com slash TST and get a free shipping and gift valued up to $109 with your purchase. Bring an authentic boxing and kickboxing gym into your home with Fight Camp. To get your free gift, go to joinfightcamp.com slash TST. That's 
joinfightcamp.com slash TST. Lastly, we are brought to you by Off the Record. Listen, folks, never, ever plead guilty and always fight your tickets. The speeding ticket system is an, is an economy that is designed to extract money from you for just going where you need to go. Between the police, between the insurance companies, between everyone involved, it's just revenue generation, folks. It's not even about safety. And that's why you should never plead guilty when you get one of these tickets. Always go to off the record. Off the record is like an attorney in your pocket. They connect you with qualified attorneys who will fight those tickets and get those points off your record. All 50 states in the union, they cover 97% of the American population. What you do, download off the record right now, get it in your pocket and use code TST10 in the app or go to offtherecord.com slash TST on the web. Then you can upload a photo of your ticket, get assigned a qualified attorney. It's going to fight those tickets, going to get them off your record. They've got a money back guarantee. And they have helped me out with multiple tickets this year in 2020. I wouldn't go anywhere on the highways without them. Offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off the Record app. Always fight your tickets. Alrighty then, on this episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast, Zach and I doing the cruise show. We're taking your questions, we're talking about the cars that we have been driving recently, and we are debating the ethical issues of the day. Boy, have I made us sound grandiose. It's the Smoking Tire Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's we speak your love language. Oh man! No, you, Hello, you're awarded folks. Meat. Hello, everybody. Welcome mm. to the Matt and Zach on Drug Show. I'm on liquid drugs <laughs> uh, and herbal drugs. Tradecraft Farms, the official ganja, of the Smoke Tire Podcast. Locked it up, folks. I locked it up. Your boy sold a ganja sponsorship. Amazing. Mm. Have you told we were parents? just talking about it last week, but I actually locked it up and sold it this week. So 2021, Smoke Tire Podcast will have an official ganja sponsor. It's the dream. The bigger dream. Uh-oh, my video feed is frozen there. It's choppy. It's been doing this lately. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Dear, dear SwitcherCast. Oh, no. Me. Please unchopify. So I've got whiskey and uh, a fat-ass... Tradecraft Farms Cone. Zach's got Tramadol or whatever the fuck your back medicine is. Yeah, I have that. I'm not on that right now because it makes me want to fall asleep everywhere. Oh. But right now it's just Advil. Oh, but, it's just uh, 17 Advils? Yeah, but I woke up this morning. Like I took Tramadol in the, in the nighttime and I just, I feel so weird. I hate it. I'm like yeah. blinking. I'm literally getting the nods at my desk while trying to edit a video. Turns out it's, prescription drugs are really bad for you. Yeah. Prescription I'm, pain pills are the fucking worst. The worst. But, it, I mean, some people must just be wired to, like, be attracted to that kind of inebriation because, man, I don't like it. I have a friend whose name I will not say on this show, Mike Z, <laughs> <laughs> who, whose wife won't let him smoke the wacky tobacco, but whose wife likes it just fine when they do the pilly pilly. That's not good. Mm -hmm. That's really that's Compartmentalization. Really is not going well there. That's taking the, well, this one's approved by scientists way too far. <laughs> the scientists way said this one is okay. Yeah, in, in moderation. Hmm, yeah. Oxycontin, huh? 
I saw this in a commercial how, once. How do people do anything? Like, if I was to take that in the daytime and manage pain, but I just wouldn't be able to do anything. But what is your actual injury? Herniated disc. Which one? Is it L4, L5, like yeah, mine? Yeah. So it's the same injury I had. Yeah. It's fucked, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the most pain I've ever had. When we were shooting the car show in 2011 with the, on the Speed Channel, I shot an entire season of television with that injury. Yeah. And by the end, I was taking 12 Vicodins a day. 12. It's so much Vicodin. It's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, but I had the surgery, and it went away immediately. Yeah. And I, and I and I had Tom Morningstar buy me a volcano on the way home from That's the. Right. Remember, I gave him my TST Amex, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Get a volcano!" And I, was, and I was like, "What's a volcano?" Ripping bags. And then your parents came to visit, and your my mom got to watch me do the volcano. So that's the, there's levels of my parents learning about my weed. There's middle school when my parents learned about it, and they sent me to rehab, and I was sent back because I was. They said they determined I was not an addict. That wow. I, they determined that I was not an addict, but that I had actually been caught every single time I tried it, which was true. My parents didn't believe it. They're like, we caught him 10 times. He must have been doing this 100 times. I'm like, no, no, you caught me all 10. Caught me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, I'm 13. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> it's, it smells. It permeates the entire house. Everywhere we smoke weed, it's someone's parents' house. We're not, we haven't invented the blunt ride yet, It's Mom. like trying to hide a helicopter at your house and fly it secretly, you know, while your parents don't notice. There's no way. And so from there, it went to the, the volcano after the, you're just broadcasting the feed, the YouTube page right now. I just wanted them to see their own answers. Their answers were good. Then from that, we went to the volcano after surgery. And then from that, we went to the 420 themed wedding. But where my parents were the, my parents got their own invites. Yeah. That Everyone was got a, a, a weed joke on the wedding invite, except my parents who got a separate invite without That's the amazing. weed joke on it. Yeah, they were hidden. And then the morning after the wedding, I'm on the hotel, on the street in the hotel in front of in front of it. They're all packing up cars. We're going to go home. I'm smoking a huge cone with Madi the shaman. And my mom is right there. And she just stares at me. And I go, do you remember last night when you said you were proud of me? <laughs> Continued hitting the cone. Because we got it on videotape. Yeah. That's it. And now here we are. And I did tell them that we were going to be sponsored by Tradecraft Farms. And they said something to the effect of, what a world, or something like that. They're like, oh, we get great salads there. That's what it sounds like. It sounds, <laughs> it it sounds, like it sounds innocuous. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a Mendocino farm. Exactly. Or something like yeah. that. It sounds like you'd go there to buy old, fake new vintage uh, furniture. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this, this wagon exactly. was made decades ago. Artisan. We something swear. artisan is happening here. I, I don't know what, but something artisan is happening. There's a lot of fake hay on the ground, Barrel, <laughs> barrels that are holding other barrels for display. Yeah. This uh, this barn looks very old, but this was a Kmart like a month and a half ago. <laughs> Dude, I, I was in Georgia two weeks ago filming a, a new show for Haggerty, and we stayed at an Airbnb like, it was a weird cabin, like in a developed, it was like people wanted to be camping in mansions in and feel like they're alone, oh. but you had to go through a gate to get there. It was really odd. It was, wait, wait, wait. Okay. I, I got to unpack that yeah. sentence. Wanted to be camping mm -hmm. in mansions. Yes. Alone. Right. So, like you what go, am I picturing? You go, through, <laughs> you go through a security gate, and it's called, like, the cabin whatever. Uh -huh. And then you're on a network of streets that's, like, the rally roads that go for miles. Dirt roads. And they're, no, no, paved, uh -huh. perfectly paved roads. Mm -hmm. And in the trees are, like, these big wooden cabins. And then oh. there's a sign that's, like, clubhouse and restaurant. And it's, oh. like, a enclosed a gated community, community. A gated community of, of cabins. cabins. So people want to feel like they're out in the wilderness, but they're not. Oh, it was odd. And the house had. Do you mean just like where my parents are in Spring Island? 
No. Where it's it was, fake, fake real wilderness? It was way, way, way bigger than that. To the point where someone basically made a town but put a gate in front of it. Uh-huh. I, I, I feel like uh-huh. there's a cult there. I'm suspicious. Uh-huh. There might have been. There could still there be. There definitely could be. It's there could still enough. be. Um, there were 15 bear statues in this house <laughs> and two paintings of bears. There, this place was Pottery Barn when someone just checked every box and ordered all of it. It was, I had lanterns in my bedroom, oh, um, man. and the lanterns, which were bolted to the wall like old school lanterns, were yeah, filled yeah. with shells and potpourri. Oh yeah, that's really now that bedroom was the size of this room we're in. How many lanterns do you think there were? Eight. There were four. That's too many. <laughs> that's three too many. And then there were there were it was, there was so much kitschy stuff in this place. Wow. It was really weird. How do we even end up, end up here? Um, Antiquing, oh, fake right, antiquing, right, right. And, fake antiquing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were there filming cars, so we could bring it back to that. No, no, that's it. It's fine. I, I'm more <laughs> concerned with this mystical cabin land somewhere. <laughs> I, I thought we were gonna get killed there. It sounds like a. It sounds like the like a like a ski lot, a ski cabin place, like you'd find it a veil or something, just exactly. without the snow. No snow. Right. Yeah, yeah. It gets weird when there's no snow. Yeah, it makes like, perfect sense when there's snow. It's very Ozarks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it up by like like North Georgia? Uh, like like an Georgia, north, you know? Georgia, uh, North Carolina border. Well, Atlanta Motorsports Park. Right oh there. yeah, so it's yeah. it was 15 minutes from there. So yeah, I guess yeah. just straight North Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. some backwoods ass shit up there. I don't know. I just never seen anything like that before. Yeah, luxury remote cabins. Yeah, it's like that's a thing. I bet you, because people do. I think I can picture the exact person that wants to have this experience that that place provides. I want to feel like I'm in the woods. Mm-hmm. But is there a restaurant and laundry? Yes. And are you going <laughs> to Does someone take the trash away? Great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, the reality of being in the woods, Tom Morningstar, uh, our our partner and uh, and and my first cameraman was visiting in town working on a similar gig to what Zach was working on and uh, he's he literally built a cabin in the woods with his fucking hands. Yeah. And his him and his brother and they had no power tools at all except for a chainsaw and they rented a bobcat for one day to drag logs. They were too heavy to move. Yeah. I saw pictures. Motherfucker built the cabin yeah, with his hands. Yeah, it's pretty, really amazing. It yeah. took three years. Yeah. But he, says undone, he, but... but he said he might still, he might bail. He told me a crazy story about his neighbors being extremely racist and yeah. that fucking kind of scaring him. Yeah. And them saying some shit to him about them noticing some of his friends coming by who may have been biracial or... Some some variant on brown, and how wouldn't it be interesting if, you know, there was a fire? Like I mean, sh- really crazy, crazy shit. Yeah, he yeah. His not subtle, not like great. overt. Yeah, really overt. And I was like, mm, you got insurance, homie? You better get some insurance. Yeah. immediately. It's been a great project for him. Other than that, small. You know what it seems like? Good practice for the real cabin. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah, and he doesn't really need to martyr himself by not using power tools. I imagine he's now bought a circular saw, <laughs> literally, so he can make floorboards. Yeah. But it's really impressive. He's built a fucking house out of logs they cut in the land they bought. I mean, but you, real. Know, you know what I was impressed with? You see his phone? Yeah. So Tom's got this phone that it's it's called a Palm. I, is it the same Palm from like back in the day? Yeah. You think it is the same company that's I still think around? I probably bought the name. Maybe, but it's a phone that is the size of a fucking Zippo lighter. It's the tiniest phone I've ever seen. It's so small, and it's that that's it right there. It's the size of a credit card. It's smaller, it's like smaller, just smaller than a credit card. And he brought out this thing, and it's not that it it's not like one of those phones like you would give your like 
uh, senile grandma where it's only got four buttons. It's like nine one one, kids, food, f- food, fire. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not that. Like it actually looks like it basically does all the things a regular like Android phone does. And I was like, so. What's he's like, but it's but it's so small that everything is so horrible to use on it that you just never want to do anything. Right. And I was like, oh, so is it just like all voice command? And he's like, voice command. And I was like, <laughs> it's got it's got voice command, right? He's like, I don't even know. <laughs> he uses it for very little. He used it for like two phone calls, and he he used it for navigation once. But it, he, well, he said just, he was he had a BlackBerry until so three months ago. Yes, until with, three months ago he had a BlackBerry. The one with the buttons. Yeah, yeah. and the only reason, and I get this. Tom is is anti. Um, I don't want to say he's anti-technology because that's not that's not the right word. He's anti. I don't know over connectivity. I think he's yes. anti like constant stream of information coming into your brain. I actually think time will prove him right on this. Yeah. And so, uh, but he doesn't, but he needs a GPS because he travels so much so he can't go full flip phone. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go full flip phone and carry like a Garmin with him. He wants, he needs to be able to get around. But, and actually, apparently someone, maybe JF, told him that he needs to be able to have a GPS. He was, when I talked to him, he was bummed. He was like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, it's always when I travel somewhere for work, they like expect that I can just get from the hotel to the thing, to the gig. I was like, yes, Tom. They they expect that you can get from the airport to the hotel and to the gig. That's a bare fucking minimum, man. They're not just going to like let you hitchhike your way to the gig. (laughs) Figure out. To highlight that point, as we're approaching this like gated community thing, it's very, very dark. He's. We're, as I we're love Tom. Game, Every word of this, I would say to his face again. Yeah. So he <laughs> finishes going like, "We have too many phones. We're too connected. All of this is just noise." Da da da. We turn in the gates. We're following my navigation through these unlit, very twisty roads. Yeah. Two minutes in, he goes, "Can you imagine even trying to find this house without having these smartphones?" And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like he backpedaled so quick. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We need. We. I mean, no one's perfect, right? Yeah. No one. No, one's, no one is a uh, is. Um, Production would be really, really, really hard yeah. without smart technology. Yeah. But I mean, people used to do it. I bet people just got lost a lot. Honestly, removing the social media apps from my iPhone was really enough. That's enough. That, and I'm going to go get the little iPhone so my hands don't hurt anymore. Mm. But I, am I, I can't believe that. Like, I mean, I know I'm not the only person, but like, how am I the only person I know whose hands, like, who's actually getting injuries from from phones? I think it's because I also drive so much, and I also my elliptical is has the arm things too. Oh yeah, that makes but sense. like, I mean, it, my phone is like a major contributor to tendonitis in fucking both elbows. If you always hold it, if you just if you use anything all the time, yeah. Whenever I've tried to, but read I don't use the phone it, like that much more than other people. Like, I'm not I'm not completely out of control with my phone use. I mean, I use it a lot, like everybody else, but like. I don't know, man. I feel like my body's like getting fucked up. I don't know. Telling you to put the phone down. Do you do you uh, read in bed with the phone? You know that the holding it like this that hurts my elbow. That's the bad one. Yeah, that's really the bad one. Yeah, and it got worse the bigger the phone got. Right, but more weight. The the smaller phone I could, I could reach my thumb all the way across it without having to do. It's the pinky. On the base. Yeah. The pinky on the base is where you really get the problem. Right, because our pinkies are not supposed to hold things like this. <laughs> That's that, yeah. they're, they're supposed to do it like this. Yeah. Right. So you're you're just 
you're hanging weight yeah. on like your ligaments by doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bad for you. I, I did that when I got like Welcome addicted to, to drifting tendonitis. games. So, yeah. yeah, and then you combine that with a fuckload of driving, a lot of driving, and that's what you get. Yeah, RSIs, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I did like, I don't know what, 300 canyon miles this week. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot. So. Wait, what did you drive in the canyons? The BMW M440 downstairs, the, the ugly, <laughs> the real ugly one with the big beaver teeth. The front is so bad. Point four. It is the best handling all-wheel drive BMW I've ever driven. Point against almost everything else. Not almost everything else, because there are some things that are right, but it's heinous looking. I did so heinous. It's not on my Instagram. Yeah, I just noticed. <laughs> I was like looking for it. It's bad SEO to Come put it on, on your Instagram. I mean, it is unbelievable. Pull that up. That's a good enough picture. That's high res enough. It's actually shockingly heinous looking. Well, so uh, remember we had Brian Scott on last week. Mm-hmm. The company that's making his wide body kit for his Audi is the same company that came out with the first rendering that was fixing the front on the M3, the new M3 M4. It was is, like, yeah. Does fixing it just make it look like the old one? Yeah. It, it just it puts a bumper across <laughs> and it. And it looks great, right? Yeah, and it looks good. <laughs> exactly right. And one of my clients here, without giving too much away, as a daily, has the 3 Series, the 340 sedan, right? And it looks fucking normal. I don't know what... I, I, know, I know what someone was thinking. Someone was thinking, we need to differentiate the coupe from the sedan even more because people really aren't buying coupes right now and we need to fucking flash this thing up a bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that beaver mouth left the factory and a bunch of people went, yes, this is it. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Because look, when you, the replacement, you know. Oh, see, that looks very normal and good. Right. They'll sell a lot of those because that's actually normal looking. Yeah. Yeah. So basically to fix this, all you do is make it look like last year's M3. That's all you have to do. Right. But the, and actually, let's ignore the front for a second. Just the sides and the rear, they've kind of made it look sort of like the 8 Series, but it's less Mustang-y than the 8 Series. It's better. It's it's better than than it was. Um, the rear is fine, completely inoffensive and, and whatever. Um, and inside, also non-controversial. Nice. It's nice, right? But that front end... I mean, you, once you see it, nothing else about the car matters. Yeah. It's so ugly that there's almost nothing you could do with the car that would make you have five seconds of discussion about anything except how heinous looking it is. I'm very, I'm curious to see how it ages. I don't think it'll age with me well, but Harris made a good point that a lot of the times when new designs come out and we, we just go, oh my God, how could you do this? A year later, people go, eh, you know what? Not as bad as I thought. I think we just, I don't, I think Sometimes, we just get used to it, but this is, this is real bad. It's really big. It's real bad. It's really big. And it's very rare I drive anything where almost everyone I come into contact with goes, holy shit, you serious with that? You know what I mean? Everyone was like, what is that? Are That's you kidding test, me? That's the test. Because, you know, usually someone will go, oh, I like that. And the other person goes, I don't. Yeah. You know, back and forth. But. So us with the finer tastes right. and the palates, sometimes we hate something. And then the general public is like, no, nah, that's dope. No, nah, I don't True. think this is working like that. It's, it's, the proportions are just so crazy. It's it, it's it's and retro future gone horribly wrong. It just you, They took a detail off a car that worked on that type of design, the two-box design. This is not a two-box design. The fuck are you doing? Well, and, you know, and they were saying it was kind of calling back to 
really old BMWs, but even on, on this, I don't think it looks good. It's, it's, I don't think that looks nearly as good as like a Hot Rod 32 Ford right, grill. which had a huge grill, <laughs> yeah. but there's just something about this look that just doesn't look good. And they, you know, pulling that back. I think the, the kidneys, the shark nose kidneys work on the 80s cars, the M6 from the 80s. That works. Yeah. It works on the 2002. It works on those kinds of cars. But that's because those stopped where the bumper was. It does not work. It does not work. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> oh, wait. Who put that? I think, I think, I think it's Kami- a Jalopnik piece. Kamisa? I yeah, maybe. Yeah. Somebody, someone, uh, uh, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's awful. Having said that, dynamically, for an all-wheel drive BMW with a mild hybrid system, mind you, it's pretty good. It's pretty good when you go fast, right? When you go fast, it's responsive. The gearbox and the engine are really well matched. Um, it's it has the optional Pilot Sport 4S tires, which I'm told make a massive difference. I'm not shocked based on whatever the all seasons probably are. The, the shocker Pilot Sport 4S versus right. some all season is a big change. Um, it's comfortable. It's you know it's it's fa- it's quite fast in a straight line. You know, it's a little distant. It's not. It's definitely not the ultimate driving machine. They it's, don't make many of them in that company, really. Not really. We have an M2 CS next week, but it's so that maybe that'll be it. But the the it's uh, and it's got some uh, drivers' aids that can be incredibly invasive, and the uh, pseudo self-steering system is horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. Oh, the lane keeping? Why is it just too slow? Does it do the uh It has the, quote, bowling? auto steer, mm-hmm. and it's straight bumper bowling. It's the it's so bumper bowling. It's bumper bowling with a three-year-old having bowled. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it starts down the middle and wavers eventually. It's like you hit the button, it's like dung, 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 dung. It's just the worst. Yeah. You, just, you know the second you get somewhere where the lines aren't perfect, right, you know what I'm saying? Over. Forget it. Right. The worst. And even the lane keep assist, forget that. The lane keep assist wanted to like rip the wheel out of my hands. It was horrible. I would say Volvo's uh, lane keep did a good job. Like It follows the lines most of the time, and then Tesla is probably the best I've driven. I have to tell you, I am so offended by lane keep assist. If you can't keep a car in a lane, why do you have a driver's license? I'm serious. That's, that is the most keep car in lane. Oh, I meant the auto steer, self steering thing. Oh, that, well, that is, I'm, yeah, which Cadillac is, is and is Teslas are the best. And mm-hmm. even that just means they're just above terrifying. Just one hint if, above terrifying. If, uh, I mean, if the lanes are pretty clearly painted, you can, ba- it basically feels like you're driving the car. Whereas, uh, bumper bowling, it's like bumper it waits till it really gets, scary. It waits till it gets to the edge of the lane, and then it suddenly sees it and goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." It's like following someone who's drunk. It's horrible. That's what it's like. It's, it's so like, horrible. Um, but but lane keep assist in general. If you can't keep a car in a lane, you just should not be driving. Period. That would reduce millions and millions of drivers, Matt Farah, <laughs> and that would reduce a lot of revenue, and people can't I get anywhere. Sh- I mean, that's just. People are really bad at driving. I have seen, you know what, I've, uh, I've seen way too many people lately driving while on video calls. Mm-hmm. And I look at my rearview mirror, and I see this guy, he's he's looking at his phone, and he's doing faces, mm-hmm. and he's reacting like he's talking to a human, because he is, but he's driving the fucking car. Yeah. And I can't understand why they ha- why someone had to add that to a conversation instead of just talking to them, just audio only. Because now it's what we do in 2020. It's now, it's I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's just what you do. 
I, I think it's ridiculous as well. I, I really do. But it's hard because, you know, they haven't figured out the technology yet to differentiate driver from passenger. Right, right. That's really hard. That's a really, really hard problem to solve. What position in the car are you sitting? Yeah. That's like super, super difficult. Yeah. And so I don't blame them for not having a solution. And when Apple tried to do the do not disturb while driving thing, fucking give me a break. They invited me to some huge mansion, by the way, up in Hollywood. They rented this like $10 million mansion. And it was, this is pre-pandemic. And it was like a couple executives from Apple, like four or five people, and me. And they, well, and not just me, obviously. They had done a couple days of research and influencers and whatever. And they, their pitch to me was to pitch to my audience this do not disturb while driving thing, which is a totally voluntary system that you would turn on while you're driving and that would bounce back an, an auto answer to everybody saying, I'm driving right now, I'll get back to you. Hmm. And I, but it was, it's a totally voluntary thing. And I go, I go, I'm just like, guys, how do you expect anybody to voluntarily use this? I mean, maybe you'll get some tiny re- percentage of ultra responsible people that donate to charity and feed the homeless that will, that'll sign up for this. But, but the general public is not going to sign up for this or use this. And I think it's still on the phones, but I, I mean, I've never seen any. I've never once gotten a text back from that system ever. Right. Yeah. So obviously, and I I text a lot, so obviously it's not. The take rate was very the take low. Rate, but it shows the, the the public that they're putting an effort in. It shows that they're it. trying, but it right. also shows that they have no technological based solution. I mean, maybe one of the only good things about you know more and more cars are you can connect them to your phone and start them with your phone and stuff is if. They can say, oh, we know, because the car knows how many people are sitting in the seats. Right. And if it goes, there's only one person in this entire car, you know, we can yeah, limit your could phone do in that some math. way. I'm sure that's coming. You know, I don't know how many people would get behind those types of limitations. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like that's one of those things that True. everyone says they want, but nobody, you know, nobody really wants to sign up for. And I bet automakers, that you don't want to be first in the door with that because if people go, well, I don't want to buy that car. They're not going to, yeah. You know, FaceTime while I drive. Yeah. I'm going to get this other car. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like everyone have, it would have have to be mandated like an airbag. It'd have to go, every car has to have this. And then all the companies get the same rules Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter which one you buy. Yeah. That's how it'd have to go. Yeah. And I think you're probably right. If you're unlocking the car and starting it with your phone. Okay. Well, that phone, (laughs) obviously that phone is the one that can't be used. Right. You know what I mean? What if you're unlocking the car? But right now, the only company that I know of that's unlocking cars with phones is Tesla. And Tesla allows you full web browser access while you're driving. Very true. So Tesla is not a responsible leader in this arena at all. I think, uh, didn't Mustang Mach-E just add that feature? Totally possible. I don't know. I'm kind of bummed. Mike Levine, get at me, bro. What's the deal? I feel like everyone who drove Mach-E so far had to go to Michigan to do it. Yeah, they did. They did, right? The, the ones I've read did. They yes. all went to Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah I, don't think I, I don't think I wanted to go to Michigan, even if I was invited. I probably just would have just said I would wait. But I, w- I would very much like to drive one. It seems very interesting. Yeah. I'm excited. We've got a Chargers here. It's be quick. I'm ready to go. Huh? It's going to be a quick car. Yeah, it should be nice. Yeah. It should be very good. Um, additionally, what else? We had the Dodge Durango, Hellcat. How was that? Um, okay. So, on the surface... It makes logical sense, right? Hellcat, all the things. V8 fits, Hellcat fits, go ahead, knock it out, right? And it's a Dodge, which means you can call it Hellcat. You don't have to call it something dumb like Trackhawk. 
right? Look at this. I can just do the old switcheroo with the ice. Shazam. And uh, also, like the Charger and Challenger, when you add add wheelbase and add it adds stability mm-hmm. to something with a ridiculous amount of horsepower. So the the Durango versus the Trackhawk, even though it's 300 pounds heavier, and it is, it's 5,700 pounds, even though it's 300 pounds heavier, it feels very planted and stable, and it's less bouncy on, on uneven roads than the Trackhawk is. Um, I don't know if it would beat a Trackhawk around a track, if anyone fucking cares, I can assure you it would be as close as makes absolutely no difference. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it was, um, you know, but it's gratuitously wasteful. I mean, the idea that you want a huge power vehicle and you want a three row vehicle and you want something that can tow and that all those things somehow need to be the same vehicle. You know, is it's gratuitous. Of course it is. Why does your tow vehicle need to be fast? It doesn't. Because you want it to be. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I, I was pulling up photos, and someone who used an FCA photo, it's literally uh, treehugger.com. And it says, should the Durango hubcap be legal? Com. And they use the same photo as Motor Trend, which is very funny. Should it be legal? I mean, yeah, it should be legal, but but it's, it is gratuitously excessive. Uh, it's fine. I'm not. Look, I'm. Uh, there are things I do in my life that are gratuitously excessive. So I, I, I'm not going to throw the stone in the glass house for this one. But uh, just to point out, the the efficiency of this vehicle is abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a um, it's a weird thing of trying to make. We used to we used to tow things with diesels or turbo diesels, right. right? I mean, I know there's big blocks too, but in my opinion, a turbo diesel has always been far superior for towing than any big block Mm -hmm. gasoline-powered engine. It's just like, if you don't have access to diesel, you want the gas engine. But adding a supercharger, it is fun, but I've never driven a supercharged V8 truck that felt like it would tow as easily as anything that's making 1,000 foot-pounds of torque. Like Those trucks just ignore any load you put behind them, and it feels really smooth. The engines last a really, really long time. This just seems like someone goes, I wish a burger had ice cream in it. And you're like, okay, I guess we just got to make it happen. Yeah. You wouldn't buy it to but you could no. buy it if you it can. had something that may, you know, you towed once or twice a right. year. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's not Dodge's fault, by the way. I mean, this started with AMG and yeah, 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 and yeah, all yeah, the other ones. Yeah. yeah. And and I will say the the total calibration of the vehicle is very good. It's very well balanced. Everything works together. It's a little stiff on the 405 on the on the expansion joints. It's a little stiff than I'd want for a three-row SUV um, in its most comfortable setting. I'd want it to be a little more cushy and squishy. Um, but when you start going quick, you know, for the weight and the size, it's got it's got enough brakes. For not necessarily track work, but for a hustle through a canyon, it's got enough brakes. It's got enough handling. I mean, the steering is electric, but it's direct enough. Um, it does what it's told. It it. I never asked it to make a gear change that it wouldn't make. You know, the general calibration of the setup is very nice. It's really good. Um, I had the 10.5-inch touchscreen. 
That's a Trackhawk interior, Zach, not a Durango interior, unless it's last year's Durango mm, interior. It says Durango SRT dashboard. Oh, that's last year's. That's a 2019. We've now got, mm-hmm. I was just getting okay. to it, we've now got the 10.1-inch touchscreen, which in 48 hours of driving completely froze on me three times. Ooh, whoa. Three full freezes requiring full restarts. Not good. That was not good. That was the one thing about the truck that really pissed me off. Because usually Uconnect is really good. The last gen Uconnect, yeah. last year's Uconnect was awesome. But this new one froze three times on me, and it was not good. I was kind of pissed. That, <clears throat> what else did I kind of not like? I also kind of, yeah, that's the new one. Okay. That's the new interior, yeah. I did like the climate controls were buttons. I liked that you got an, a real scroll knob and a real volume knob. Yeah. The radar cruise control worked really well. I was happy with the radar cruise control. Um, seats were comfortable. I mean, look, in general, you know, $88,000, you get a three-row SUV that runs an 11.5 quarter mile. That is insanely uh, fast. It's insanely fast. For something that heavy. Yeah, it's insanely Jeez. fast. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it is reasonably comfortable and, aside from the horrible fuel economy, reasonably practical. I mean, I think, like, the Durango RT, which we drove an early one years and years and years ago, and it felt like it handled canyons it's really quite well. Nice. It was really fun. It was really nice. It's a good option for a large truck if you need to carry lots of people in inclement weather. Yeah. I think you're good looking, too. It, it is. It, you know, and actually, in, as far as Hellcat-powered vehicles go, it's pretty low-key. I mean, it's literally, the one we have here has 20-inch wheels, not even 22s, which I recommend because you get some sidewall. It's really nice. Um, and other than the, the cat badge... And the, the the little hood scoop, there's really no indication that, that this thing is 700 horsepower. I mean, it's actually it's reasonably quiet too. It's not uh, it's not like uh, you know the last I don't know red eye or whatever I had. Um, although now that I think about it, that last one might have been a fucking Hennessy, and which is why it was so loud. Oh yeah, the sense. last one was the Hennessy. So yeah. I think I may have been recalibrated to to too loud. Um, this one is fine. You know what it doesn't have that I like. 25-year-old me would disagree with me. 39-year-old me likes that it doesn't have a super loud bark when you start it. Oh, when yeah. When you start it, it just starts. Right. You don't wake your like neighbors the up. The Shelby 350, when you start that fucking thing, it lets the entire neighborhood know you're going to work. Yeah. And I started and, in my carport, and my building manager texts me at 7, 12 a.m., and he just writes, LOLOL, mm. sounds like a gunshot. Yeah, so at my home in, in Venice, my garage is directly underneath my bedroom. So if you start a fucking—I I, I go to work really early in the morning. I go to work anywhere between 5 and 6.15 in the morning, every morning. And if—and my wife doesn't. So when, when I started the Shelby— she texted me from bed, what the fuck? <laughs> and, <laughs> the next day you just push it out. And there's neutral. no way to turn that off. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as I know, in the R, in, in the 500, there's a quiet start mode. Really? Yes. You start four cylinders it's, only? Well, it just One starts, cylinder. it starts with the, um, in most of these cars, any of the cars, um, supercars and whatnot, the cold start, the valves and the exhaust are open, and then they close after the, it finds the idle. Hmm. With with the cold with the with the quiet start option, it starts with them closed. Oh man, you should you should it should be. Just, I'm sorry. What did I just? What car did I just say had that? GT500. The 500. That was not right. It was the F Type R. Oh, that had that. They should all have which that. Which was very welcome. 
Yeah. Yeah, and the Hellcat doesn't need it. The Hellcat starts quiet. Why do they, I wonder why they start with the cold, with the valves open for like free or flow, or is it just to announce? Maybe it's to announce. Maybe it's for. I think it's for the theatrics of it. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I'm I could be pretty sure that Ford does it for the theatrics. They should just have a setting because it's all electronic and they have the sport exhaust and go into vehicle settings. Mm-hmm. It's like when I start next to how how long do you want the Mustang emblem to shine on the ground for? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there might be. A, look, I, I please in the comments. If I'm wrong and there's a way to do it, just don't be a shitbag about it. Okay, I didn't. I can't dig through every single menu in every single car. If it's not somewhere kind of obvious, I might not find it. But I don't. The F Type R was the one that really had it. Um, so that's what we've been driving. Oh, I should tell you about taking the Ferrari to Donnie's. Okay. So I took the Ferrari to Donnie's. And I, I, I love Donnie. Donnie Calloway is my homie. He's my, my L.A. Ferrari guru. Um, Eric at GTO Engineering, he works on the Lamborghini. Donnie works on the Ferrari. And Donnie is this guy who, who I love. He's, I th- I'm pretty sure he's got a record of some kind. But he lives and works in an airport hangar in Lancaster. And you have to get buzzed into the airport grounds. And they oh, he opens up the hangar and his, and his fucking... He has an apartment elevated above his workshop. So good. Which is awesome. It's so cool. And A, his Instagram is um, Ferrari 19 underscore 1966. Yeah, there it is. Ferrari underscore 1966. So he just got back from his other shop. He's got another shop in Belgium. Whoa. He's got two shops. He goes back and forth. In Belgium, they do... The bodywork to so that that snow, wow. that's his hangar that's open wow. on the image. And, and he lives in that hangar and works in there. The white uh, 308 is his personal Ferrari that's got 120,000 miles on it. Drives wow. the shit out of it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's mint. So he's an expert in 308s and 328s and that this period of Ferraris. And I got, I got him from Spike. And so Spike is like, you know. Every vintage Ferrari has like lots of needs. He's like, but you give it to Donnie and you give him ten thousand dollars, and then you never have to do anything ever again. So Donnie, <laughs> I brought it up there, and I drove. You know, I drove it up there, and I've been driving it. I put six hundred miles on it, and I drove it up to Donnie's, and uh, and I had I've had you know no no trouble in those miles, right? There's a couple like little things that I've got a list going. There's not like the car isn't perfect, but I haven't been stranded or anything like that, right? Um, so, you know, Donnie gets in, he starts poking around, and he immediately <laughs> finds, like, six things. He's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> he starts looking around, and he just, oh, here we go. <laughs> he just finds all this shit, like, and right And he's not away. fucking with you. No, 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 he's uh, not fucking with me. It's okay, though, but none of it's, like, horrible. It's all, it's like... One of the injector seals is completely fucking busted, and they the 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 inner door card had started to come off, and so they fucking some someone like ghetto epoxied it instead of doing the right doing it the right way. Got and it. There's a hose on the cooling system that's like the wrong color, so like clearly someone just used whatever hose was around, and just a just little shit, just little little shit. But he just. <laughs> He just kept finding stuff, <laughs> and I was like, oh, "While my. you're in there," the and I was just like, "Oh there. no, Donnie!" He's like, "He's like, no, no, you didn't buy a piece of shit. Don't worry, you're good, you're good, you're good." You know, and he, and he, uh, the the cylinder drop thing that happened, the cold start, you know, down a cylinder. We, you know, I, I reproduced that for him right there. So, so that was good. So he's probably gonna have that car for like probably four weeks, maybe more, because of Christmas. Because mm-hmm. it's like it's just him out there. Yeah, but um, 
He's got lots of parts on site. That's cool. And uh, I, I, I'm pretty confident that when I get the car back, it'll be ready to do 10,000 miles of daily driving. Without which is seeing what him I'm, again. He's also going to remove the seat slider. So the driver's seat slider, if you remove it and you bolt the seat right to the floor, I get an inch and a half. No shit. Of headroom. Oh, wow. So that's important. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. many of your cars have the seats bolted down? The Porsche does, and this will, but the Mustang did, yeah. and Corvette the Corvette did. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, All it's, your sports cars, except, nope, all your sports cars. All of them did. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the Lamborghini doesn't. The Lamborghini's still on a slider, right. but it's, it's, it is all the way back. It's like buried into the The only wall. car of yours that I'll be able to drive is also the most expensive. And You'll be able to drive the Ferrari with the seat bolted down. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have the same inseam, don't we? We have the same inseam. That's right. Yeah. You but can drive the 911, too. Yeah, but your Corvette was a stretch for me. Was, you know, yeah. I fucked up. I I bolted the seat down probably an inch and a half too far back. Oh, really? It was a little further. Like, I needed one inch, and I asked for, like, three. Got it. You know, that was that I remember was driving on the 405, and no, I was no, like, man, I, I, I bolted no it. Stops. I bolted it too far back. That yeah. one, that car was a mistake, and I, and, and, yeah, it just was. Yeah. You could drive the 911 right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the Ferrari you'll be able to drive very easily. The Ferrari I'm not is not I'm not bolting it down to go further back. It's going lower. Mm-hmm. That's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Because that, it was meant for a short it's Italian. Not, it's not leg room. It's head room in that car. I want. Yeah. yeah. Have you driven it much with the top on? Pro- yeah, probably fifty percent with the top on. Not because I I would much prefer to drive it with the top off, but a lot of my drives have been one way and I want to keep the top with the car right and 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 uh, other drives it's just been really cold <laughs> like it's it's been cold and or windy yeah how good is the air scarf on that <laughs> yeah zero you know I may I may just leave the air conditioning disconnected because it's Donnie tells me that it's really more trouble than it's worth oh, it I'm doesn't sure. work that great you when don't it's say. working it's really expensive to fix. Go on. And with normal oh, windows and Targa roof, it's not like the Lambo where the windows are the size of fucking matchbooks. You know what I mean? When you really need it. Yeah. It's like, no, it's fine. It's a black so, car. It's going to heat up a lot. I think, yeah, it, I think I could, the sun will really hot. It yeah, will, take but the, take the roof off. You take the roof off and, and cruise. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. It means you don't drive it two weeks a year. Okay. Right. Fine. I wonder what company in the 70s has the most problematic air conditioning. Anything from Italy. Right. I mean, any, anything. That has to be at the top All of the list. All 70s and 80s air conditioning is terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, best case scenario, it sucks 50 horsepower out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> best case. Yeah. <laughs> I remember hitting the button in my yeah. Miata. It was like, why did I just slow down? You could feel oh it. Oh, my God. The DeLorean, it must have cut the power yeah. in half. <laughs> it was bad. Like, yeah. In the Lamborghini, at least... It's powerful enough of a car where if it sucks 40 horsepower out of it, you go, well, still got 400. Yeah, it's all exactly. Right, That's know. how much you need, though. Yeah, this yeah. is like the it takes 100 horsepower to move the blower kind exactly, of scenario. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we may just leave that out. Yeah, but, leave that out. But he's going to have it for a while, and then you know, and then we'll be good to go. Then we'll be driving. Cool. You have to, you have to, you gotta, you're going to have a go in that I'd car. i It's really good. It's really, really fun. It's mo- like if you're obsessed with how fast a car is, you probably won't find it that good. No, but 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 it but when you wind it out, it feels pretty quick. Actually, I mean, it feels like you're going. Feels light. I drove that 308 GT4. That was the first old Ferrari. Oh yeah, Camisas. So this is same one as his, not uh-huh. his. Did uh, you enjoy it? Yeah, it was great. You could, really, I could 100 percent right? understand how they ended up where they are now. You could tell that's where things began. Like that was the first mid-engine V8 mm-hmm. car they built, and then you know more and more, and then yours. 
Like, but it's incredibly satisfying to absolutely. drive. Absolutely, yeah. gated shifter's good. It revs really nicely, and yeah. the front end's nice and light, and you know you can feel everything. Like, it's really good. Yeah, it's really 20, cool. Twenty eight hundred pounds, two hundred and fifty horsepower, eight thousand RPM V eight. Yeah, what's it's wrong awesome. with that? Nothing. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You just got to get it warm. It's clunky when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Although Donnie swears that his his service makes it warm up in half the time. He that he has he says he's got the combo move that makes it warm up in half the time. How does he do that? He has a combination of fluids that he really likes. He uses uh he uses all the factory shit, which is crazy to say that that's all he does. But like, he just gets so many cars that just have a hodgepodge of stuff that don't have the actual factory stuff. Well, sometimes OEM is worse than aftermarket, and sometimes it's not. Right, right. I, I had a problem with the Fox Body. With the Fox Body, I had a, a an aftermarket coil, brand new, right out of Summit catalog or whatever aftermarket coil, and the car was fucking up. And the, that Dino Tuner guy down in Huntington, that fucking freak of nature dude, he yanked that thing out and put in an OEM Cobra coil, and it was like boop fixed, you know. And so sometimes the OEM's durability stuff, and you know. Yeah. Donnie showed me on his car because my car was like, eh, like five cranks and it starts. Most people wouldn't consider that to be a problem. And then he goes, here's how it's supposed to sound. He turned his over at like a point four. Wow. Like not even one full crank. Yeah. And he was like, that's how it came out of the factory. Your car should do that. I was like, oh, oh. my shit's fucked. Because I think most of us, we just think, well, it started. Like if it starts, it's correct. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it, right? If you ever had a car not start, then that's the that's the mark you want Correct. to start. Correct. The bar is low. The bar is very low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. so he so so there's a bunch of stuff with that where he he was like, "Don't you worry, all all you need to do is continue wiring me money." Yes. <laughs> and, and he'll fix all the wiring. Yeah, problems and, you have. and I didn't make a video of the drop off because we didn't do anything. I said I said what, what what I want you to do is when the car is at max disassembly call me and I'll come and we'll do a what's wrong with the car video and you'll just go through the whole fucking totally. list. Yeah, that'd be and good And then idea. we'll do another one where, uh, you know, it's fixed. Where so. it's fixed, yeah. yeah. They're supposed to be pretty reliable in terms of Oh, Ferrari 100%. Cars. No, no. The, the, this is the Porsche 3.2 Carrera of Ferraris. Nothing will suddenly go horribly wrong. When things go go start to go wrong, they slowly go wrong. So mm-hmm. first you hear it, then you smell it, then you see it, and then it's dead. So you've got multiple chances to 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 fix things in these cars. Same Donnie rules told apply me for being attacked by a wild board. By the Donnie way, Donnie told me he has never, in thirty years working on these cars, he's never replaced a three hundred eight or three twenty eight gearbox ever. Is it an engine out service for belts and shit? No, nope. that transverse. Right, that's good. Transverse engine. Yeah. And so no engine out. I mean, there are. I think there's a couple things that require engine out, but but not, but not the like belt some service. of the later cars that required engine out. No, for no, like no. Changing windshield wipers. No, 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 no. Not yeah. even for the belt service. No, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to take the engine. Because that was out the case anything. with what Testarossa and 355 belt service. 348 Mondial T, 355 Testarossa. Yeah, that's the. Those are the really bad. Those ones. just kill your bank account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a Ferrari Tech. Um, at the AMP in Atlanta, and I was like, oh man, which of the older ones are good and which are bad? And he's like. 
355s. He's just shaking his head. He's like, it, they just break a lot and they're engine out for the belts and like anything yeah. that doesn't have engine out for belts yeah. or doesn't have belts. Yeah. I think 360 and 430 didn't have belts. Way, uh, no, way they do, but they're accessed through a compartment in the bulkhead behind the passenger seat. Oh, it's like a ski pass through. Yeah, exactly. That's funny so, for hands. so they still have them, but you can get to them a lot without taking the engine out. That was a very smart yeah, idea. Yeah. So they the use mailbox door technology <laughs> yeah. to finally solve that problem. The 355. Um, not only was it engine out for belts, not only was it the first car to use an F1 gearbox pump, which is a fucking disaster. Yeah. The convertible tops were a disaster. But also the engine used used actual parts shared with Formula One, which was great for how it sounded and, <laughs> and revved, but not great for anything, anything service-related. Yeah, so as far as uh, Ferrari maintenance costs... You've got the F50. You've got the F40. Are we going most expensive? Yeah, to yeah most gotcha. most to least, most to right. least. F40, F50, 355. Got it. That's that's it. Jeez, the yeah. fact that those are in the same neighborhood yeah. means you shouldn't buy a 355 because two of those are worth a million plus right. dollars, and it's one of them is not. It's justified at a certain level. Right. At other levels, it's it's not. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It wasn't justified. To do an engine out service in a Testarossa for about 15 years. Yeah. Until all of a sudden it was. Yeah. You know? But there's like four different things that need engine out services for those cars. I can't remember. I, I looked them up recently. Clutch. Gearbox. Yeah. Belts. Uh, belts. Clutch. Um, and possibly, uh, possibly injectors also. What I learned, there's a quote, simple fix on those. Uh, they're basically like... The electronics are just for two inline six engines. Yeah. So a lot of times, like one fuse box will melt, and that causes oh. like one cylinder bank to break, and people go, "Oh my god!" But the Ferrari people are like, "No, no, no! That's one of the good fixes. You don't have to get the engine out for it. Like you just replace the entire fuse box, and then it's back in action." Yeah. I mean that the it's fact just, that that's the simple fix. Right. It's getting into vintage Ferrari land is you know you're rolling the dice no matter what. The three hundred eight. Range and the 320, 308, 328, and the Mondials with transverse engines are as known a quantity as Ferraris get. Except if you wanted to go a little more modern but still the same level of dependability, the 550 and 575 are it. It's it's the, the 550, Serio and my Ferrari guys, they call those Ferrari Camaros because they're so wow. regular God, in so terms of how they just work um a good but, friend of mine is shopping for one of those and he's going through sergio actually Sergio, yeah really yep. god we're fucking printing money for Sergio. i've already sent two of my yeah. clients to him but uh they're whatever gorgeous. man Sergio fucking came through for me i mean i you know whatever i would have overpaid in the in the big ticket auctions and all those main sites i'm, I'm i was happy to give a quarter of that to Serio to find me a car somewhere else. Yeah, and one that works really well. Because if you buy the right used car, it doesn't matter how much it costs either, five grand to 500. Like, if you buy a quality one versus yeah. a slightly bargain one. Like, and I want to emphasize that, that, the, that even though I just told you about a dozen things that are wrong with my car at, at, at Donnie's, these are all like super small things. None of these, None of these things prevented me from having that car roll off a truck and then putting 600 miles on it. Mm-hmm. At all. Right. If the door card's hang, hung wrong, that's not preventing you from driving. No. It's just like, this isn't that's, how it should look or how it should yeah, be. Yeah, this da, should da, be da, fixed right. and I will fix it. Yeah. But you got it here just fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also got, I shopped at Crutchfield for the first time in a really long wow. time. Because our, our Clarion deal is really no more. So um, 
I shopped online. So do you know that, do you know that Crutchfield does not have fitments for the Ferrari 308 or 328? They don't. That is surprising. I'm kidding. That is surprising. I'm not surprised by that. Why would you not be surprised? You don't because it's like it's a car every that's 308 years old. and 328 in the world has an aftermarket stereo in it. None of these people bought their shit from Crutchfield. Right. That's it's just the take rate. So Crutchfield's like, do we need to build a housing for this? How many people are calling? No, no, not a, forget Three. an adapter housing. They don't have the speaker sizes in their database. Are the speakers that unique, or they just don't have through it? As drop it down. turns out. What yes. is this? Yes, they are. Everyone in the world uses a six and a half inch round speaker. Ferrari uses a six inch. <laughs> Only one brand makes a six inch speaker. I'm not surprised they don't have it in the catalog. That literally one brand in the entire world. Crutchfield's like, we don't need that business. Fucking Ferrari. How many people? So I got a, but I got an Alpine, uh, Alpine deck. Minimal. You know, I wanted. I didn't want it to look like a fucking disco. You know, minimal. Good sound, USB port, Bluetooth, the basics, right? The boilerplate. I got an Alpine deck, and then I got two six-inch. The name of the brand is, I think, Audio Frog. <laughs> I searched Ferrari 328, and it just says, find car audio products that work with your 512TR. Well, it's interesting, because I pulled up the live chat, and I said, you guys don't have fitment for 328, and he said, the only old Ferrari we've ever had in our shop is a 512TR. And so there you go. They gotcha. measured it. So they measured it. Yeah. That's funny. I was like, yo, you want to fly someone out to Lancaster? <laughs> you can measure my car and get me some speakers. They, they also like, don't no. have speakers for the 512. They just right. have a subwoofer. No, no. They That's have funny. measurements. That doesn't mean they sell anything. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so I got a six-inch audio frog speaker. Sounds like a reputable place. The guy at Crutchfield, the guy was very nice, the Crutchfield person. He was like, you know, this is not like a great speaker. I go, hmm. Is it better than a 34-year-old blown paper cone speaker? And he was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the speakers like, you have are, are telephones. That's what they have. <laughs> you have the earpiece from an old rotary phone in there. That's your tweeter. I have some bullshit speakers. So we got an Alpine deck, and we got some new speakers and uh, new tweeters. And so Sweet. The Lambo, I didn't want to pull out that original Alpine deck. Right, I'd rather mm -hmm. not have a. I'd rather not listen to fucking music, and could they? Because all the speakers in the Countach, the engine is music. Matthew. Well, the speakers in the Countach aren't like speaker grills in the door. No. It, they're literally behind the leather. Yeah, and so you have to take apart the entire interior to put speakers in the car. And I was like, I don't want to take I the fucking interior. And out. have you ever seen cars that have the leather covers and people either put the wrong size speaker behind it or they press on the mm -hmm. speaker and it gets a ring? Like it's dead pressed into the, the the leather. The leather. Ooh, you don't want to do that. And so I don't want to do any of that shit. Ooh. I'd rather just fucking not have a stereo, frankly. But with the Ferrari, it's like, no, no, I want a stereo. This is a daily driver you drive car. more often, yeah. It's a daily, daily driver. I want a stereo. I don't give a shit. It's already got an aftermarket in it, too. So fucking whatever. So, so we're doing that. Anyway, that's the update on the smoking tire life. Oh, last thing. I want to give Zach and myself a little round of applause. Because I did my, I did our taxes this morning. And without being too specific, 2020 was a fucked up year for a lot of reasons for a lot of people. I am not minimizing anyone's struggle at all. I'm, a lot of people had a lot of struggles this year, ourselves included. But just honestly, through fucking grinding ass work, we managed to bump the smoking tires bottom line like 35, 40% over last year. And that was just because we fucking busted our balls and, and got got shit done. Like, oh, you're stuck at home? That means you work like you work more. And I, and I don't 
I don't want to like martyr us on the altar of work, but it was more just an exercise in small company adapting to necessary change and just getting the shit done and like figuring out how to survive and ultimately succeeding. And I'm proud of us for doing that this year. Yeah, I think it was very challenging for everybody this year. And there were companies that obviously couldn't pivot because they're too big or whatever. And small companies that had industries that couldn't adapt to this, but you know, we could, and the other company I was working for, like a lot of people in the production industry were fucked, but a lot of them also had to get, got really creative and were able to keep doing things. And yeah, so, and so we weren't we're just able to, to survive. We were able to actually grow, uh, financially to the point where we can, um, you know, hire Zach away from a day job at the end of this year, which is, um, you know, helpful for fucking everybody, the listener and the viewer included. Yeah, very especially true. them. But like, man, it's fucking December and we got fucked in March. And like, yet we still grew the revenue of this company with like pretty much just you and I and Jay Ryan mm-hmm. um, by like 35%. I think a lot of it's just the nine years before that, like, Really, you know, mm. getting like our podcast hitting a certain like separating uh, channels, yeah, yeah, and also like getting recognized by ad agencies and you know hitting certain numbers. Like it's yeah. it, we had we had some good like markers, uh, kind of congratulating the work we've done for the last ten years, which I think is really so. cool. Yeah, we have this awesome studio to do radio in. I mean, it's the best room ever right. to do we radio used, in. We used to do it in the living room. Ugh, remember that with dogs? Can't smoke weed in here though. I have to figure this out. <laughs> You know what you need? You need a chimney. Well, we need one with of those. A, we, need, we need one of those fan. sniff the sniffers, the sniffers that the smoke that it's a machine that makes smoke go away. Oh, you put yeah. it in the corner, but it's a it's they're expensive and it's a noise thing. Oh, okay, you can do that. Um, no, you need a chimney, just like you need a tube just above <laughs> you. That's just a sp- I could spoof like college. Yeah, just have <laughs> a, just drill like, a hole in the wall. It'll smell like laundry. Yeah. Oh my god, drill a hole in my two hour fire rated wall. Yeah, drill a hole in the wall <laughs> and with a tube with a little fan, like a CPU fan. It would take, it, do you know what it would take to drill through this wall? No, time. <laughs> this wall is like, is this is a two hour fire rated wall. It would take a lot to right, drill maybe through not that wall. wall. Nah, we'll just, we'll just, I'll smoke weed outside. I think, I think you need a chimney. Well, part of our deal is 10 vape pens a month. So that, those are for the studio. Those are so I can fucking rip vapes in here. Should we tether it to the studio table so it doesn't get taken out and then lost somewhere or like left in my car? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Can you believe 2021? We're going to get paid to smoke a particular brand of weed and not like not just like a brand like the best weed i've ever smoked ever by the way look at this i think i'm not i don't think i'm blowing up a spot they told me like three weeks ago not to show this but let's assume they figured this out by now this is a joint by tradecraft farms punch in on this sack on the two camera this is a joint that's rolled in tulips (laughs) It's ridiculous. They figured out how to grow tulips, lay them down in a in a sheet form, paint them with hash oil to turn them into paper, and roll a fat ass cone. Those are painted in hash oil. Oh my god! It's actually got. What's amazing about it is that it actually that it's got kind of a structure to it. As you picture a tulip petal as something so fragile, and yet there's probably two and a half grams of ganja in this, and it actually has like a structure, which I find so interesting. Even if it tastes a little strange to smoke, which, let's be honest, it's gonna, 
it looks fucking cool. I mean, you walk into a party with one of these. Oh yes, it's quite gorgeous looking. Really, I'm afraid. Really of, I'm afraid of touching it just because I have a very low tolerance. That is insane. It's real good. And they figured out these. They got these glass tips going at the bottom too, so you don't get all nasty down there. This is fucking amazing. Let's go to the people. That's insane. Let's if you smoke enough people. of those, you and just get all the continue. answers. And we can continue. I mean, I don't know. However, if people are finding this entertaining, oh, average watch time is decent. If people, if you guys are finding, oh Jesus, I'm not going to say his name. T A. Uh, TA, who is uh, is one of my clients here at the shop, who just gave a nice donation. Your cars are in good hands, buddy. They're looking very good downstairs. <laughs> I can't. I won't say his name, but thank you for that donation, man. I'm about that life. TA, my client, is the one who sent us that amazing coffee in the brown paper bags. Oh yeah, that stuff was really that good. That coffee. He, I think he's a partner in a roaster or something. That coffee is fucking banging. The yeah. Haitian coffee. It's really good. Oh, it was so dank. Shout out to AeroPress who sponsored our our last video. That's another one. AeroPress like you asked me in 2014 when we were down in Panama looking at the AeroPress is like, "Yo, that company's going to sponsor you in 5 years." It's amazing. Awesome. They make and that's the mach- that's the machine the guy was using to make world-class world championship mm-hmm. coffee. That was mm-hmm. what was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, what $4,000 machine do you use?" He's like, "No, oh, I use this $22 plastic invented by frisbee people." It's great. Good frisbee. Uh, what do you got? Okay. Man, we got a fuck ton. We got a lot of questions. A lot. But you know what? Stuck at the shop till 7. I got nothing but time. I know uh I know RL one of my, not Ralph Lauren, one of my employees, RL, likes to listen to the show while he's working downstairs. So, RL, if you're working, we're going to keep going at this. So, if you need me upstairs, come and get me <laughs> if any customers show up. I don't have my phone in my pocket, so let's just fucking go. Uh, scroll up, Zach. What do we got? Dominic Boyer says, for a track car, is there a specific point where you have to decide to mod your current car further or purchase a new car? Is there a point where modding is idiotic and buying is responsible? Yes, absolutely. We were just talking to, who the fuck was I just talking to? Who just said this? Uh, Best platform stuff? The very last show we just did. Scotto? I guess it was Scotto. No, who else was, oh my God, I'm so dumb. Maybe it wasn't a show. Maybe it was something else, but basically, like, here's this. If you need, if you want to drive your, go to track days in your street car, like, that's fine. HPDEs, get better at driving, learn your car better, like, okay, that makes sense. But if you're going to be doing serious track work, you're going to push the limits of your car, and eventually you're going to break something. Well, that might be something big, it might be something small, but you're going to break something. You don't want that pursuit of speed on track to affect you being able to get to work or school or whatever on Monday. And so when you get to that point where it's more than just a couple of HPDEs a year, where it's more than just let me let me get better at driving, when it comes down to there's a stopwatch out there and I want some of it, or there's the time attack league I want. When it becomes a little more serious, you should seriously consider getting a dedicated car. That way, if you if you break it, you know you can still get to work the next day. You know what I mean? And I think if you, you now if you get a higher caliber car and you drive it hard enough on the track, you're going to end up breaking things on that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at least at least if it's a higher caliber car, the chassis and the actual unibody will be strong enough probably. Right. Whereas if you're building something up from zero, you might start bending panels or something. Well, that I mean, yeah, you could buy a, a car that's 
a race car or a, a track focused car or, or or you could buy you know a Corvette or a Miata or whatever and and track prep it my advice is just that that you don't want your track day car to be the car that you rely on to get to work your your advice is that buying a not even street legal car a car that's a race car could get you in that direction for less money versus a, a street mod, a modified street car. I think if you're going to track something a lot make sure you're not turning a commuting sedan into a track car because it probably can't handle it in ways you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Paul's 1816 is looking at a Seiko for his first watch. Are there other brands or styles you could look at in the Seiko's price range that are my favorite color? Green. I mean green's very popular right now. A lot of people are making green dial watches. Um Zach, can go oh did you nope. can you undelete that? Can you look up that reference number and see what the price point is? I don't know what the price point is of that reference number. I'm sorry. Oh, 200 bucks? Oh, it's like a Seiko 5 Sports? Nah, you're not going to get a better watch for 200 bucks than a Seiko 5 Sports. That's got that's going to be a dive watch, 200 meter resist, a really robust movement. That watch you could buy for $200 and you could literally wear it for the rest of your life if you want it. It is it is as tough as can be and I mean, Orient is another brand that's owned by Seiko, or or that's a, a, a yeah owned by Seiko. They're roughly the same prices. They have a little bit different designs. I would rather be, and this may sound uh, maybe a little elitist, but I'd rather be seen wearing a Seiko than an Orient. You know what I mean? Like I prefer what Seiko is about. Orient doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but also. Um, at $200, it's really about Seikos and G-Shocks. That's what it's really about. If you want to be, if you want watch watch guy credibility at that price point, it's about Seikos and G-Shocks. Or maybe an entry-level Hamilton. Um, is that just Jay? Is that his name, Jay? Whatever. Whatever your name is, Jay, I believe. What should a sorted car be able to do? That a car fresh from the factory cannot. Now that is a good question. Assuming he means a car that's um, sorted uh, uh, for the show. It's interesting because I'm not responsible for choosing the cars on the show. I have input, but I'm not responsible. So a sorted car, I would say, should be a street car that's had its focus narrowed for performance. So. If it's stiffer than the streetcar, if it's got racing seats and harnesses, if the tires mean that it's good on the track but it's bad in the wet, um, if it's got maybe less than the interior it left the factory with, those are things that, that could be uh, a sorted car that maybe a factory car wouldn't have. A thousand horsepower to me is yeah. not that, although it's where Rob wanted to take season one of the show. Um so yeah, I would say basically whenever you modify a car, you you have you're modifying it. You're not always making it better or worse in which case but some cases you are. Usually what you're doing, assuming a high quality mod is you're narrowing the focus in one direction or another, right? If you put racing seats in the car, well you've made it this much less usable to go to the grocery store. If you put uh, sticky tires on it. Well, you've made it this much less usable because you now can't drive it in the rain. So every mod narrows the focus of the car. So the key is to find that point where the focus is sufficiently narrowed, but where you haven't made too many things worse. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Nick Walker says, what's the worst don't meet your heroes car that I've driven? Mm. It's an interesting question. 
Have I had any heroes? DeLorean. Well, I hate to say it, but the DeLorean... Well, the DeLorean, if the DeLorean is your hero car, <laughs> you should just be prepared for what you get. <laughs> the DeLorean is probably the best example because it ultimately doesn't drive that great. And unfortunately, there's not much you can do to it to make it drive that great. And it's not just because it doesn't have a lot of power. It's because it has very small wheels, which means it has very small brakes. And it's because it has a Y-frame chassis structure, which is a, a Y structure in the front, a single bar down the middle, and a Y in the back. It's, it's shared with the first-gen Lotus Esprit. It looks like it should perform well. It doesn't really perform well. And there's basically nothing you can do to it to make it perform well. So I would say that that is, that's pretty much, um, pretty much it. I also don't really like how Shelby Cobras drive. Uh, yeah, if you want to have a old car experience with an airbag, <laughs> that's kind of how. I mean, the new ones handle much better, but up to twenty twelve. No, no, no. What are you talking about? Shelby Cobras. Oh, I was I was thinking Shelby Mustangs. Oh no, yeah. Shelby Cobras. Yeah, yeah, I don't like Shelby Cobras that much. I mean, I know you do. And I actually I heard Superformance is selling a small block now, a little slab sided two eighty nine that I may want to call them and yes. have a little go. Let's that do seems that. like that's I've never driven a small block car. Small no, the secret in Cobras is that actually small block is where it's at. I mean th those are hero cars, but I think I think any old race car from that mm -hmm. era probably drives so much different than anything we have today. Like Lee Keen, we on Proving Grounds, we had we got a really expensive, well-done uh, Superformance 4 GT, or uh -huh. CT40. Was it the black and yeah, gold one? Yeah, the black one? and gold one. Yeah, and yeah, I drove, drove that one. Like, it's amazing. He's like, but those guys who raced these were insane because <laughs> nothing that Lee has raced. He's done endurance racing in the rain at Nürburgring, and all of that is much easier than endurance racing one of those fucking mm -hmm. things. Just ergonomically, no power assist. All Everything about them was physically more difficult, yeah. louder, yeah. all of it. yeah. Every time I've driven one of those, I'm like, they fucking race these things. Crazy, crazy, right? Or I drove John Bothwell's 1932 Alpha. Like, they race this? Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, that would be it. Carl Sanders, would I consider converting the Countach back to EU Weber carbs? It's interesting terminology he chose there. Back to EU Weber carbs. It implies that the car left the factory with Weber carbs, which it didn't. It also so it was like built before there was an EU. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Uh, that How car, are we, Anna? This is before car, there was an EU. Uh, <laughs> there were about 660 Countach Quattro valves built, and about 200 of them were injected cars. Mine is one of the injected cars. There are some carb snobs. There's one guy on Instagram that is an absolutely incorrigible cunt about carbs. And he will go around and make little snide carby comments on other people's Countach pictures. I've seen it. I'm not going to name the person. But they go around and they shit on people's injected Countaches as if you couldn't get more fucking douche snob than that. Oh, your Countach isn't carbed? Oh, well. Did you know the carb cars made like 25 more horsepower? Oh, fucking did they? Congratulations. They started one third of the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know They're I mean? much more difficult to start, yeah. less efficient. I, I, could get, I could give a fuck. So converting the car back, there is no back. This car left the factory injected, and it is factory. So it will stay factory. Thank you. No Crust says, happy holidays. 
Any chance for an update video riding the turbo bike that I have? I have a, a Honda CX500 turbo motorcycle. It's parked in my lobby. It's been there for like three months. Um, I'm not going to ride it anytime soon. It, I bought it to park it there, actually, and it has really old tires on it, and it needs... Um, it definitely needs a, a major service. It pr it needs the shocks to maybe be real rebuilt. It probably needs the brakes to be redone. Um, I like looking at it, and if I wanted a motorcycle to ride, that's not what I would choose. Yeah, I bought it to look at it. Um, eventually, when I get bored of everything else and want to park something else under my stairs, maybe I'll take that out and and refurbish it or something. Um, but for now, I like looking at it under the stairs. And it's a very cool looking bike. It'd be cool awesome. to ride once at some point just to know, but it's not like for your second daily ridden motorcycle, you want really a turbo a bike shit. from the 80s. Yeah, and, 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 and vintage motorcycles are not something that I personally have an interest in in the same way. You know, like I obviously have a taste when it comes to cars. Well, my cars are a certain period, right? I wasn't into motorcycles in that period, so I don't I don't have this nostalgia for it. I thought that I, with the turbo bike, I was like, what would be cool to look at and not ride? Oh, this thing that has 18 turbo badges on it. Mm -hmm. but, but like, you know, or a CBX or something like that. But like, I don't, I'm not like, ooh, I want to ride this bike from 91 because I was dreaming of it. This doesn't really work like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Thojo 1111. Is there any magic to be had in an E36 318 Ti? Yes, if you put an M3 engine in it. Right. Because they're short and they have uh, semi-trailing arm suspension, I think, same as the E30. Mm -hmm. So they can be fun rally cars and yeah. they're short. It's an E30 underneath in the back half, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put a six-cylinder in it, and if you do, it would be awesome. Uh, Ramon says, what has helped most with the herniated disc? You're not going to like this, but surgery. I mean, I had it twice, and both times it was it was surgery. Yeah, um, and the surgery it worked; it fixed it. And then, and oh by the way, a lot of PT. I had surgery. I had my first surgery in two thousand and three. My second surgery in twenty eleven. It's now twenty twenty, and I still go to PT once a week. Yeah. So my my shot, my last shot in last year did a lot, and then I was able to do PT and quote I thought fix it. But I stopped doing the PT, and that's you know that's what broke me this time. Yeah, you have you have to maintain it forever. Is yeah, what you said to me. Yeah, yeah. It's a for, it's a forever maintenance. Yeah, yeah. And Especially if you spend the kind of time that we do in cars and just sitting, sitting, just lots of sitting. And if you maintain it, like uh, Dr. Lane Norton, he's like a powerlifter. He powerlifts six hundred pounds again. He had a herniated disc two years ago, but like he yeah. maintains that shit. Yeah, you can do it if if you if you do the work like a lot. And I'm not perfect at it. I try, but I'm not perfect at it either. Yeah. It's a forever thing, unfortunately. Back problems are fucked up. But for all of you fucks out there that said it was because I was fat, that's, <laughs> that's very true. That is the fittest person that I know. In like, was. Yeah. I mean, literally, you were brown rice and broccoli and fucking chicken. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you ended up, not that I might told you sewing, but but just to the, to the fucking folks out there. Fucking spinal problems are they're, they're they're it's not it's not always about about weight right I mean granted I wasn't at the time helping myself and now I'm trying to but but it it's 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 unrelated it's about you, your shit can just get fucked right you can do this to yourself oh yeah and it's, you, you don't have to be overweight to do it you can be otherwise very fit and still get fucked up uh, Court F 
wants to know, is the GT350R worth it over the regular 350 for 50-50 street and track? If it's really 50-50, a thousand percent yes. Really? Even with the carbon wheels that one makes me Here's the thing with carbon wheels. The thing with carbon wheels is you cannot hit curbs. Right. You just can't. Or you got to be careful with potholes. And you also should get the wheel and tire insurance. Yeah. Do all those things. And then you'll be fine. But I would say yes. Uh, part two, is the Camaro SS1LE a good stepping stone to the 350, or is it just as fast but not as special? The second part. Camaros are oftentimes as fast or faster than the Ford equivalent, but they don't. You know, the engines are not the special engines, mm-hmm. right? At yeah. least in the current the current generations of cars. Um, well, the 1LE is also significantly cheaper than a 350. So it's definitely not going to be a special. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason says, Jason asked a question, and I'm going to single him out here because his question is absurd. Uh, Would I consider doing a review on an all-wheel drive Mason trophy truck? A, I've never even heard of that. I don't know what that is. B, would I consider has not? That's like saying, would I consider doing a review on a Veyron? Sure, is it, or a, a Chiron? Is there one? Is it? I mean, it, is I don't. Has this person tried to contact me about driving a thing? Like, uh, that's really rad. Though. I mean, that looks amazing. What what we're looking at here looks like a, a trophy truck chassis with a lot of travel and crazy town. Like, I think you would make wrong, the question awesome, general. Like, like, would you review a trophy truck, or is, or is our trophy truck so outside of our? Audiences interest. Would I review a trophy re- truck? Yes, yes, I would review a trophy truck. If you build trophy trucks and you're driving distance from Los Angeles, then you should call me mm-hmm. and I will come drive your trophy truck. That's Sweet the answer. Mercy, yes. Have I considered? Yes, <laughs> yes, I've considered. But will I call random fucking racing teams and ask them to drive their trophy trucks? No, I won't. So I will wait and I will, I would, I will receive happily anyone who says. I build trophy trucks, and I would like you to come drive one. I'm about that. Yeah, life. hit us up. There's a lot of them yeah. in SoCal. But don't ever, Not me, right in now. general, you shouldn't email or something and say, would I consider blah, 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 blah. Because the chances are like, yeah, but that's not really the thing. <laughs> yes, I would consider driving a Koenigsegg. That's not really what's keeping me from doing it. Right. It? It's just, yeah, it's the logistics yeah. side of things. Yeah. Uh, Dusty Summit says... I'm going to do a story and shoot on the new Glickenhaus Baja boot. Well, listen, Dusty, let me tell you a piece of advice right now. If you are going to do a story on the Glickenhaus Baja boot and you spell Glickenhaus like you spelled it in this comment, I don't think he'd be too happy about it. Just saying. It's not spelled house like a house. It's it's spelled house like a ski chalet. H-A-U-S. Uh, what is the best way to pitch the story to magazines like Road and Track? Uh, I would make sure you spell Jim's name right in the story, first off. And then I would send it to the editor of those magazines whose contacts information and social media information is readily publicly available. Yeah. WRX Charlie, thoughts on a Mark Six Jetta sport wagon manual? Um uh, it probably gets good fuel economy. I mean, an incredibly useful car. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of it's the, that's back in the cheater diesel days, though, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a it's a leftover cheating diesel car. I'm ima- I imagine you would get it for cheap, mm-hmm. and it would return good fuel economy while being okay. Right. Uh, I have a video of one that has modified suspension that you can go back and watch. It had a, had a short throw shifter and modified KW coilover to something that Austin Cabot's car. Oh that yeah, I made a video of. You should go watch that. Very review. useful vehicle. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a lot of miles to drive, it's fine. All the suspension shit is helpful, and you know. It's okay. And, you know, it was cheating, you know, and so it's probably uncheated now. And, you know, you could re-cheat it if what, that's what you wanted to do. Um, Hurride Sibal says, is there a program or racing school that I would recommend for someone who wants to be a better track driver? I'm in the Phoenix area. Is Bondurant still open? Or I believe so, I yeah. Believe, yeah, I mean, Bondurant is in Phoenix, and they are a fantastic driving school. Uh, and Zach is checking it right now. Looks like Bondurant is uh, still there. Yeah, I would go to Bondurant. That's in Phoenix. Yeah, you don't they, need, a real good program. Yeah, you don't need to go to uh, to California for that. I mean, we we'd like to have you, but we don't. We you don't need to do that. I would pretty much. Um, yeah, I would just go to Bondurant. Them or because um, I was researching these. Spring Mountain is also has a really good school mm. and is the Ron Fellow School. The Ron Fellow School competitively mm-hmm. priced as well. Skippy is back in action. They're like a touring school. Um, like they go to different tracks, but they were a little bit more expensive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Ron Fellows at Spring Mountain or Bondurant in Phoenix would be good. Uh, Trent came from a Mazda Speed 6 before he had kids. I now have a 2015 Grand Cherokee. Next, Lincoln Aviator. Oh, should I get a Lincoln Aviator non-hybrid Range Rover Velar or Grand Cherokee SRT? Of those three... Assuming the Velar is not the big engine one, I would have the Grand Cherokee SRT. If you are willing to go for the the autobiography, what the fuck is it called? Uh, Land Rover, Range Rover, Velar Autobiography Edition. The fast SV, yeah. auto, SV Autobiography SVR. Dynamic. Yeah. Fucking stupid name. Very long name. If you're willing to go for that, get that. Otherwise, I would get the Grand Cherokee SRT, which is a lovely vehicle. Yeah. Get the nice, like, leather, the filsome leather. That's the shit. I feel like the upscale Jeeps punch above their weight class a lot. In they terms do. Of luxury and appearance. Yeah, and you and the, you don't need the Trackhawk. The regular no. SRT 392 delivers the experience that you want out of that without, uh, without you know. Murdering your fuel economy. Yeah. It'll be and bad it, enough with a V8 anyway. Yeah, well, that, you know, if you don't, if you're not trying to fucking make your passengers shit their pants, like, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, are we going to King of the Hammers? I'm not. Is that shit happening? It's probably happening. Well, actually, who knows? I mean, it's an outdoor event, but it's usually kind of a close quarters thing. That would be up to BLM and whatever jurisdictions happening at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, Jorge, is there a worse question to be asked than would you consider X, Y, or Z? Yes. What's the best sports car for $20,000 is worse? Uh, Jason says again, same kind of thing. When am I getting this extreme E and trophy truck driver on the show? Well, I reached out to her. And Did she you? said, hi, and I was like, we want to have you on the show remotely, da-da-da. Still waiting to hear back. Copy. Um, yeah. Zach's handled that. There we go. Uh, Haride again, thoughts on the new S-Class interior and the general direction Mercedes went with it. I haven't seen it. I oh, honestly it's... haven't seen it. Uh, thoughts on the new E63S? I, I, I mean, is there a new? Is there a new new? I'm gonna I haven't driven. the new S-Class because it's pretty insane. Oh, Oh, I see. All right, so we're just doing full touch screens now, huh? Screens and wood. Screens, screens and, and wood. wood. Well, I like the wood, actually. The wood works. 
You know, screens are great until they fucking fail. I mean, I just had a Dodge Durango, which is much simpler than an S-Class, and when the screen freezes, you can't do anything. You can't change the radio. You can't change the temperature. You can't do any. I mean, you you can't do anything. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, that's why the hard hard knobs and buttons are needed to stay for at least some controls. I mean, you know, Mercedes doesn't have a habit of rolling out new technology that works perfectly the first time. (laughs) That's true. They're usually ahead of everybody else in terms of technology in general. Um, But you know, things that are new and really complicated are going to have problems. I will say that I'm glad that they learned that two spoke steering wheels are heinous and that they shouldn't do them. And I like what they've done with those thumb buttons up there on yeah. the thumb rests. Those I look think nice that's interesting. and work very well. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I sh- are these out yet? Is, it, is this out? Uh, pressers? Uh, probably just rolling out. I, I got to call Mercedes. I got to get down on this life. Maybe try one of these. Fancy schmancy. I mean, I'm not against the style. I think the style is good. I like what they've done with the wood. It looks like a Riva. And the leather looks nice. The steering looks nice. But, you know, I'm, I'm very, very wary of when shit gets too touchscreeny. You know, the whole system. It was weird. The first time I drove a Tesla and I realized most 95% of the things I need to do with this car are in there, including mm-hmm. temperature, mm-hmm. seats, everything was in the touchscreen. It just made it a lot harder to change those systems. Point to Tesla, though. I don't believe I've ever had the system completely freeze on me. Correct. It, it worked all the time. Yeah. It was just, I had to get used to using a menu to find yeah. every single thing yeah. instead of like, well, that button for my seat's over here. This yeah. is over here. They, Tesla does a pretty good job with it. I'm, their UI is very, very good. It is. It is. But it's, I still prefer of course, a mix of, of course. Yeah, buttons and Certain screen. things need a button. Mm-hmm. My seat heaters, my temp controls, my scroll knob, this should, these things need a button. Yeah. Did you see on the new Must, the, the Mach-E, it has a scroll knob? On the touch screen. Yeah. But it's not hardwired. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, glued on and it simulates the, the fingers motion. It simulates literally, the finger motion? I don't literally, know the button on the touch screen doesn't go through the touch screen. It's not a real button. It's a, it's a control, it's glued onto the touch screen and it, it touches the screen oh. in the same way that you would hand gesture. But it's for us humans to feel a knob. And we can control something like Isn't that. Isn't that and interesting? Then yeah, that's pretty clever. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the new E63S. Look, I haven't driven it, man. I'm sorry to say. But I drove uh, Tom Segura's one-year-old car with a Rentec tune. It drove very nice. Mm-hmm. The 63s. I mean, so I drove an 18-month-old you know, wagon last year. Awesome. Um, I don't know about the newest, newest, newest. And have I heard about the synthetic fuels? I read one article about a synthetic fuel. Um, it seems interesting. This is These are the fuels that are made from like the, the CO2. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like removing shit out right. of the air and turning it into fuel, that kind of stuff. I think these, uh, we talked about this with the fucking guy. Zinger. The Zinger, Kevin Zinger was talking about this, and it seems very interesting, turning things beside petroleum into a liquid fuel that could go into a car and that could be refilled um, like a traditional gas station. Um, I think it's very interesting. Um, So they're going to use wind power to power the facility that will produce what they call e-fuels. Yeah, and it, and that fuel will what extract hydrogen from the water, right, or from the air? It basically extracts hydrogen from the air. I don't know. I, I haven't read about it to be honest. 
I'm but, just talking about from when Kevin Zinger was up in here talking about it. But it's, oh yeah, um, no, his was going to make methanol, I think. And mm. some of the people were commenting like, but it, you you have to use a lot of fuel to get the you know to get to process whatever you're pulling to then make fuel. True, but if you use a, a renewable energy, then that kind of gets rid of that. Mm-hmm. And there's just you know there's a lot of math and discussion about uh, mining and all these other things. But I think it's cool that people are trying to figure out yeah. a way to to solve this problem. Right, because the problem with electricity is how you get it in the cars. Right. I mean, straight up, how fast and how often you can get it in the cars. Because an electric vehicle clearly can drive two to 300 miles fairly safely, fairly reliably, and and that's a good range. We don't need 600-mile range and for our cars to be 7,000 pounds because they have a fucking battery pack, you know, the size of a queen mattress. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's not what we need. What we need is the 300-mile range where the battery pack doesn't become intrusive in the car, but that we can refu- you know, recharge, you know, either with some type of liquid energy or with electrons, you know, in 15 minutes or less. Yeah. That's really what we need. I think yeah. Toyota just announced that they have a battery tech that's going to allow for recharging really quick, but going to like the, the Tycon thing, then you have to run super high voltage, yeah. uh, you know, chargers. Yeah. And that's, a, it has that its becomes concerns. a whole other thing. Right. Right. Uh, Cho Ray said that dude in blue, Dave Patterson said he was going to the Peterson museum. Uh, it, unfortunately it is not open. If you are media, you can get a private, uh, viewing, which is kind of bumming me out. Yeah. When I went over there to shoot a promo the other day, I sort of fucking hinted at the guy that I would maybe like want to take my car out of the exhibit because it's no one's going in. And he's mm-hmm. like, but we've had such good media coverage. I was like, yeah, but the lights are literally off right now. We're here at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday and there's nobody here. Like, you know, it sucks. And a lot of people who put their cars in the Peterson are kind of like, yay, free storage. Whereas I'm like, mm, I'm not really driving it. And yeah. It's a bummer. I know. It's a bummer. Uh, but yeah, you can't just go in, unfortunately. Stephen Banks says, what is the most ridiculous factory special edition, and is it the Jeep Wrangler Dragon Edition? Is it, yes and yes. Oh, mine is. The Jeep Wrangler Dragon Edition is the most ridiculous, yeah. possibly racist factory special edition. It was really, I still want to ask, if we have listeners who are either live in China or are Chinese, what did you think of that? Did you feel like it was targeted towards you? What was your response to it? Like, that was... The word going around was that's who that was trying to sell to. It was trying to grab a new market in China because China was, you know, growing f- really quickly, which they still are as a car market. Um, but when that showed up in our driveway, we we're like, "Is this allowed? Is it? How, you know, I don't know." It was just, it was just really strange and yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Um. <laughs> when I first saw those fucking dragons, I went, "Oh." Like I feel, I almost feel awkward asking about it to ask if it was like okay or what it was intended for. It was, I don't know. It was like a SEMA car, but they sold it. Fucking bad. You you see them on lots sometimes. Yeah, weird. Uh, There were dragons in the headlights. There were dragons in the gauges. There were gold all over the scales in the gauges. There were scales in the gauges. It's really it was amazing. Uh, thank you, Murray, for your donation. Vlad, oh, thank you for your donation. Um, Matthew says, I mentioned car YouTuber land on a podcast eons ago. Is that the Freedom Factory? I don't know, maybe. Kind of, yeah. I did mean, I mention car YouTuber land? What, did I, what was I talking about? Do you have any idea what I was talking about? Uh, I think with Patterson, maybe, we're joking about, like, 
a compound of you know like vi- like there's the Vine House. Mm. So if you had the car YouTuber Land, it would oh, be something like that. Yeah, where everybody owns a track and lives near it. Yeah. So Freedom Factory is like that. Um, yeah, what's sure. his name? Kyle Connor. Like they have a partnership with a track where they test all their EVs mm-hmm. now. It's, it's just basically having your own facility where you can drive shit. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean that I I what I don't I don't remember what you were talking about. I vaguely sure. Freedom Factory could be it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, TA, thank you for your note and thank you for the coffee. Uh, we got a couple old questions from the Larry Chen show. I said I would get back to them. Um, uh, have I, Miguel says, have I seen the parking brake on an 80s Toyota? Uh, the lever under the dash. Yeah, it's a pull and twist. You've never seen a pull and twist before? Every car from like before the 60s has that. Yeah, I think All we're talking about foot car. brakes, but yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's how a lot of cars have worked. Um, Dusty says, if you have, have ever driven a Polaris, Razor, or Can-Am? If so, what do I think of them? Zach, you rolled one of those. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Oh, well done. Uh, yeah, they're some of the most fun ever, and they're uh, kind of unsafe. Yeah. And that's why a lot of them are they're selling, they're selling wide swing arm kits like hotcakes nowadays, because they were a little tippy. Oh, that, let, that move the wheelbase that move the outward. Wheelbase way out. Yeah. If you watch some of the promo videos they've done with like pro drivers, they usually, they usually lower them a bit, and then they have wider um, suspension components because they're like this. Yeah, you know, that they're makes like a rectangle. Sense. That and makes sense. Andrew Collins, like, th- yeah. th- a lot of people tip them over uh, because they're tall and kind of narrow, and they're really really fun, and it's impressive what you can do with them. And it's the fast. I think it's the fastest growing class at King of Hammers. Those fucking things can do the well, same. Well, because they're cheap. They're cheap, but they're also like way lighter, and they're purpose built to a point mm-hmm. so you can run the same kind of terrain without having to turn a three or four thousand pound jeep into something that's light and off-road they're right. already light but those uh, the roll cages they come with factory are not roll proof or not roll spec like, oh there's like a visual cage yeah pastrana raced one in the mint 400 and they cracked the frame oh, like good. just across like down the middle so good yeah yeah they're safe. awesome but uh yeah be careful. Uh, also dusty what do i think of the new extreme e-series i have given it Zero thought. None whatsoever. The cars look cool. The cars look hey. cool. Can't be bothered, honestly. I hope they film it well, like WRC, because they're going to like five different countries. It's like Rallycross, right? N- uh, no. It's like, it's more like uh, Mint 400 kind of shit, oh. but with electric trucks. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I don't give a shit. Um, how much ha- Hamden Boy... Says, how much does the Stage Three kit add to the Fiesta ST experience? A whole lot. You'll blow the fucking tires off all mm-hmm. the way through second and third gear. I mean, a lot. It adds a lot. Okay. Do you need it? Yeah. Or do you just keep it Stage Two. No, no. You want it. <laughs> yeah, you want it. Definitely, you want it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Ang Lee says, "I love my Fiesta ST now, but need more room. Should I get a a Mark Six GTI DSG? No, no." no. Mark Five R thirty two. That's a collector car. That's not a daily. You don't buy a Mark. Oh, a Mark Five R thirty two. Ew, no. What is this guy with his shit Volkswagens? These are terrible choices. Mark Six isn't that bad. It's fucking whatever as fuck, dude. That's a whatever as fuck car. That's deep into whatever territory. R thirty two open to instructions. Don't need a manual. Have an E thirty six E thirty six M three weekend. Get a fucking Camry, bro. I mean, a Mark V, imagine Wait. imagine wanting to count on a 10-year-old Volkswagen with a six-cylinder and DSG as a daily. 
True. Imagine that. Imagine the mental gymnastics you'd have to do to go, I have an E36 M3 for the weekend. I'm going to buy a 10-year-old six-cylinder Volkswagen with a first-gen dual clutch for a daily. I've done Yikes. that before. Buy a Camry. Which is now... <laughs> I mean, honestly. True. I guess... So your point is that if the Mark 6 GTI is a meh car, you might as well get a meh reliable car. Exactly. Okay. The Mark 6 GTI is a meh car. It's an abs- That's a perfect description of it. It's a meh car, especially with DSG. There's, there's a funny thing that happens, and we have a lot of friends that owned old new German cars, and they have to get a practical car, but they don't want to leave that world. Mm-hmm. And they go, I'll just get a practical German car. Right. I'll get, a, I'll get a, a baby BMW that's not an M3, but it's a regular right. one, like a sedan or something. And then you're still back in the same reliability shit pool that you right. are with your weekend right, right. car. And the retort to this is, but Matt, you just drove a Mark 7.5 GTI and you said it was great. Yeah, that car's got a warranty. <laughs> Long one. Mm-hmm. You're not spending a dime on fixing that fucking thing. People who buy old Volkswagens and realize that they cost as much to fix as old Porsches, they, 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 they you know what I mean? Special tools, all those yeah, kinds of things. I'm not yeah. about that. I'm not about that. Uh, Louis Katayama says, I want to install KW coilovers on my E46 M3 so it drives smoother and handles better on the street. Recommendations for shops in SoCal for installing and adjusting. Would you take that to Mark? Yeah. I would go to Mark, Mark Norris. Norris. Uh, What's the name of his shop? Bavarian Auto House. Bavarian Auto right. House. No, Bavarian, Bavarian Workshop. Bavarian Workshop. Bavarian Workshop? Near, up near Calabasas. Yeah, that's where I would go in Los Angeles. Bavarian Workshop. His name is Mark Norris. He's very good. Yep. That's where I would go. And if you need the fine-tuning performance alignment, you go to West End Alignment. Yep, 100%. Uh, for the fine-tuning. They're right. not expensive, and they are busy, and there's a reason. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a wait. There yeah. is a wait. Oh, my God. Now we have to go to these? No. Holy fuck. I copy and pasted most of these. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Is there made... any at the bottom? Uh, L'chaim, Mazel Tov. Thank you, everybody. Good, 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 good. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Da, 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 okay. Yeah, we're good. We can save these for the next crew show. Yeah, there's some other general ones. Okay, we'll save those for the next one. Thank you very much, everybody. That's a good show. Happy Friday. Have a good weekend. I hope... uh, Oh, this is not the last show. We have one more show before Christmas, and then we're taking the week after Christmas off. We do Mm -hmm. 48 weeks of podcasting a year, and we haven't had a break since July. So, um, yeah, that's our shit. That's our show. Zach is on the ones and twos today. Thank you to Tradecraft Farms for this ganja life that I'm about to indulge in after the show. (laughs) And, and of course, naturally, if you need somewhere to keep your car in Los Angeles that gives a shit more about your car than you, probably, Westside Collector Car Storage is where it's at. That's the spot. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on the YouTubes, both our podcast channel and our regular channel. And thank you for helping us reach a million subscribers on the main channel. That's our show. Have a good weekend. Bye, everybody. Later.